Hello, I'm Aidan Gallagher. I'm Peter Reeves. Welcome to API, our integration podcast. The purpose of this podcast is to set the world to rights on various topics in the world of enterprise integration, and it scratches our collective itches as engineers who just want to uh, rant about enterprise IT over a cup of coffee. Or tea. Hello, Peter. Hello, Aidan. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. So what are we talking about today, Peter? This is the first of a two-parter on teaching and skill sharing. Very good. Um, yeah. So should we let's should we do a little bit of not history, but a little bit of the problem statement? We're looking at this from two angles, aren't we? Having in mm. the past been the the ducklings, that's that's the word you like to use. The little ducklings being taught. Um, it's an it's an industry term now, isn't it? Is it an industry term? Yeah, we've made it an industry term. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> I, I would. I think. I think it's a good industry term. It's, it's light and fluffy, inoffensive. Is it inoffensive? I don't know. Yeah. I I did. I did ask this. As, uh, I did ask if duckling was was mildly offensive, but but nobody's objected yet. So as soon as somebody does complain, then um, we can stop using it. Was was ducklings the name of like the? Uh, the swimming lessons for like the little baby kids. Do you remember the awards? You had goldfish, turtle, squid, no octopus. Yeah, that kind of thing. And then and then there were like ten meters, twenty five meters. Yeah, yeah, exactly. How how long can you sit still in water without dying? Yeah, can you can you can you pick a brick up from the bottom of the pool? Why is there a brick at the bottom of the pool? I was furious. I could swim, and they never let me get in the deep pool. I had that as well, yeah. I was like, I, I actually know how to swim. Um, and I don't like being in the baby pool because when I kick, my legs touch the bottom, so it's like, unpleasant. <laughs> it's pointless, I might as well walk. <laughs> it was It was like, here's, here's how we're going to decide who gets in the big pool and who gets in the little pool. Can you swim? Can you swim a width? May I can swim miles. Can you um, jump in the pool? Yeah, I can jump in the pool. Can you swim under this rope? I couldn't swim under the rope. Uh, into the little pool with you, even though you're like probably five foot tall and the yeah. little pool is like two foot deep. I thought about this. I think it was a numbers game. I think they could have, they had to have so many in each pool and neither mm-hmm. of us made the cut. Anyway, learning, teaching. So we have some experience of being ducklings to others. We've been uh, mentored in our chosen field of integration and uh, it's getting to that stage in our professional career where we're being asked to do the same this podcast is about teaching how to teach what i see to be the the problem statement is how do you teach someone to have a have a skill or a, a role or a profession in in any kind of it especially if maybe they've never worked in it before maybe this is their first job out of university or they've switched careers and they used to be like a a fishmonger and they've never touched a computer before that kind of thing shall we talk about learning styles i don't know the and i probably know if you told me the learning styles but i I wouldn't know what they the specific ones were called learning styles i feel like they were like they they were like old kind of were they like pop psychology science that we got taught in like I think you got we got taught them in school as like be aware of your learning style so that it kind of matches up with what how you learn and I think it was there were 
I've, I've just Googled this. There were visual, visual learners, auditory learners, reading and writing learners, and kinesthetic learners. Like if I was trying to learn about, I don't know, the, the, the ancient Greeks, I could watch a documentary or I could listen to an audiobook. I could read a book. Reading and writing, yeah. You could also maybe transcribe some notes while you're at it. Kinesthetic? What's that? Is that me dressing could, up as a Greek? You could be a Greek. <laughs> yeah. Dress up as a Greek and be a Greek. Visit Greece. Daniel Day-Lewis did that when he played Lincoln, didn't he? He, he? he spent a year dressed as Abraham Lincoln, talking like Abraham Lincoln. Everything he did was as Abraham Lincoln, up to the point of going into restaurants and doing the voice and, and being Abraham Lincoln. Apparently it's very, uh, he has a very intense um, character building style. But um, is, it, is it the immersion method? Yes, that's the one. Is that the same as kinesthetic is, is what I'm asking? I, mean, I think ki- kinesthetic, it's, it's normally like sort of learning by doing. So right. the, ancient, the ancient Greeks, it might be stuff like, I don't know, doing ancient Greek things. Like, so maybe you were learning about ancient Greek mathematicians. You might be doing some maths. Yeah, so we've been asked to be mentors for others and we've started that and uh have we failed at the first hurdle do you know what your mentee's learning style is well the reason that i want to talk about this is because i feel that learning styles are kind of i feel that learning styles are actively ignored or i think that people have a bit of a one-size-fits-all when it comes to learning styles because I would say that 99.9% of all training that you will ever receive is go and watch this recorded meeting or go and do this lab session. I'll be honest, I love doing lab sessions. I love typing things on the command line and I love working through that. I absolutely despise web meetings. <laughs> if, so, if someone says, watch this video for um, five minutes about how this technology works, I'll be bored by about two minutes and, and I'll be scrolling on my phone. I shouldn't really say that, but it's just like, there's some things that speak to me and there's some things that don't. I can't sit in a conference room without my eyes just droop. The second I get into a conference room and somebody starts talking to a group of people, my eyes droop. I, I just, I, I don't know why. I just can't, I can focus. I just can't stay awake. <laughs> Uh, that must be to do with learning style, obviously. But I think there's some people that really, really enjoy that kind of thing. Quite often, a sort of like an introductory discussion is actually really good for sort of setting the scene. If you were, if you're going to work on something that you had absolutely no experience with whatsoever, you'd really want a discussion with like a, sort of, I don't know, a trusted mentor or something to say, right? Here is the here is the super high level introduction to technology X. I understand that you know absolutely nothing about it, so ask me all the stupid questions you want. I mean, that also that thing could probably also be done by like a uh, sort of like a yeah a, a recorded meeting or a YouTube video, something like that. And then maybe the next sort of phase in kind of like the the ten minutes to to two weeks kind of that could be done by sort of training and lab sessions. But I think what I wanted to mention was the nature of the beast is whenever you get given like a mentee or a mentor that's not a full-time thing it's not as though like you're going to become you're a full-time trainer now is your job you've still you've still got a day job which is going to be occupying your nine to five monday to friday so you're going to have to 
probably do setting tasks and exercises for your mentee because well you're not going to be on hand all the time to sort of to discuss things with them to go over things with them maybe in pre-pandemic land they could be shadowing you on a uh, in an office they could be sat next to you at a desk so they've got constant access to you but now I think it's much different and you're probably likely to maybe check in with them once a I don't know, once a week, a couple of times a week, but certainly not full time, like if they're just sat next to you. And even if even if they were sat next to you, it's difficult to determine what is being learnt. You can ask somebody how much they've how much they've learnt, but it's hard to do that in a way that doesn't sound judgmental. Do, do you understand this? Is not is probably not a good question. For example, do, do you know what this is? Do you know what these are? Computers. <laughs> And the answer is is either going to be, uh, mm, I think so. Okay, doesn't really gauge whether what you've taught work is is the right amount, or oh no, not at all. Would would be like, oh, okay, well I've tried to explain it the best way I know how. I, I don't really know how to explain it any other way. Like you say, you, you can't be with somebody full time, but I think directly asking somebody, have you understood, doesn't particularly work anyway. So I don't know the way I the way I see mentoring and teaching is that you have to gauge how much the other person has learnt. Yeah, I think that's very, very difficult without kind of, yeah, being so 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 bullish and so direct as to say, do you really know this? Do you, <laughs> do you, do you actually know this? Or, or yes, you do know this. <laughs> I've, yeah. just, I've just explained it to you. Okay, yeah. yeah, come on. I, I expect you to know this now. You're making me look bad if you don't know this. You know this now, don't you? Something I've tried before is a knowledge playback. So this, I'm going to teach this thing. I'm going to explain it. And rather than saying, did you get that? It's a closed question. It's a yes or no. And you don't want a yes or no. You want a, an open question with with uh, detailed responses. It's a little bit like in math, show you're working and you can get points for your working. That is much better than a, I don't know, a multiple choice. Which of these is correct? Uh, which, you know one you could game and guess so instead it say okay so we've been doing this for the last week can you explain what an enterprise service bus is or 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 talk me through how an enterprise service bus might be used at a at a large retailer so knowledge playback i think is useful but what would you say are the key ways that you can help somebody to learn so when when you're teaching what what are the different options available do you think i think this goes back to again sort of learning styles but again sort of setting exercises you think you've got you've got to sort of set tax, tasks and exercises um that meet what they'll need so normally it's i think i think the best thing you can do is kind of ahead of time think well okay so in 2 months time i want aiden to be an expert at esbs or node red for example, or some kind of integration technology. So I think, all right, I'm going to have to set some exercises that constantly demonstrate what he knows and then maybe pushes him a little bit out of his comfort zone or forces him to look up how to do something or forces him to do like a known tricky situation. So it might be like, first I'm going to set him an exercise to just just, just install it, just, just run it as a container or just in, install the product onto... A virtual machine that I'm going to give you and then I might say okay good I hope you wrote some notes while you were doing that exercise uh, so when you say just install it you don't mean 
here is a list of, t of, of buttons to press that's installing it. You mean, here is a task. Uh, we want to install, we want to install this product onto this style of, of Unix machines and Linux or whatever. You go and do that. There are some resources where you might find the questions, some videos, some, some, some text, some uh, different learning styles. And you go and you go and learn it yourself how you find best and perform this task and then explain how you perform how you did that task and we can talk through. Yeah, I think that's the way to do it. It's um did did you do you remember um I think James May had an episode of like where he was talking about toys. Remember when James May was talking about Meccano? No. Do you know where I'm going with this? No. <laughs> uh, James May was doing a thing about old children's toys. Um, and he was and he was doing a bit on Meccano, and he was saying Meccano was a great toy because you know what Meccano is, don't you? Meccano is like an oldie worldy construction toy. It's like Lego. Oh, or like Lego. Lex. Okay, yeah. It's basically a load of little metal metal sheets and nuts and bolts, and you can fit them together and make a an angle bracket, and you can make a car or a crane or a Meccano like Lego models. It would, it would, you could, you'd get a box of Meccano and you'd have a picture of a great Meccano model, like a crane or a plane or a car on the box, and be like, "This is a Meccano car. Build it yourself," and that include instructions. And um, James May was saying, "You know what really makes them good? They deliberately put mistakes in the instructions, so the kids building the toys would have to figure it out themselves, and they'd have to really understand how it. Um, they'd have to really understand how the bits fit together, how like the car would be laid out, because um, the people writing the instructions deliberately didn't give them all the information they need, or gave them slightly incorrect information, so they'd go and have to work it out themselves." That is clever, actually, because uh, what did I see? I, I saw a um, a Kubernetes video where they were they break something essentially. You have to figure out what's broken and and how you'd fix it. And doing that task allows you to try different things. And mm. there's always something different that breaks. So it's a bit like uh, chaos engineering. So something random will break uh, inside. And it's a it's a oh go go figure it out. So chaos engineering is a good teaching tool, actually. I know. Who who'd have thought I'd have said that? Um, I think I know, I'm sure I know the Kubernetes video that you mean. Maybe I think maybe you sent it to me. Possibly. I I would agree that the task based rather than saying to someone go read this or go watch this video or 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 uh, do this set of instructions, follow this lab. I don't think they're very useful teaching methods. I think the teaching mm. method should be. Here is a goal that we're trying to achieve, and that, I think that goal should be realistic, a, a real-life example. The, the other things are just materials to meet, the, to get to that goal, and the material that you provide should be wide-ranging, so it should allow different learning types to be able to do that. So whether it's just a, here's an environment, just keep playing at it until you get it right, or here's, here's an article, here is a demo, here is a, a video explaining how it all fits together. Uh, and like you say, it's difficult to gauge sometimes what's too hard and what's too easy. And it, I suppose if it's too hard, you need to make sure that you have the time to uh, help where necessary and have the additional material to give just enough of a clue to unlock the next sort of to, to, to unlock continuing. Yeah, you've, you've, you've constantly got to be gauging the difficulty so it's just enough to yeah, push the person out of their comfort zone, push them to the edge of their knowledge and force them to learn a bit more. Can't make it too easy or it's like, what's the point? You can't make it too hard or 
it's just demoralizing and when people do come when 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 the mentee comes and says <clears throat> i'm struggling with this i always think do i just want to give the answer here what i suppose that what's the value of them figuring out the answer themselves is is the the, the key question i could just tell you or i could lead you to somewhere where you can find out for yourself uh, how do i install openshift okay well i could tell you that or i could tell you how you'd find the information you need for that and point you in the right direction and then help you with any questions you have based on that uh, yeah how far into the future can you really plan to train someone how long should you plan for the future i would genuinely plan three to six months in the future because I feel that by that point something massive could have changed anyway. You don't know whether some new technology is going to come along and you might all have to be and you might all get thrown onto that. You don't know whether oh well on month four it turns out we've uh, we've found your mentee a really great role on this project that's completely different but still useful in their career so so you've got to quickly pivot onto that and I'm sure the stuff that you've taught them will be very useful, but we can't pass up this opportunity. So I don't. Th- you, you you can't assume that you're going to get um, someone sat there receptive for like two years, happily smiling away, going to just do exactly what you tell them. Their time to learn on the bench is going to be drastically cut down. But now they'll be kind of learning, learning, learning on their project, learning on their role, which will be also really good. I suppose what you can do is very broad brush um, assertions so in two years I expect this person to be able to speak about one of the products one of the products that they deal with to a good degree after two years I expect them to be able to perform specific tasks on their own with no supervision after six months I expect them to be able to install the product on this type of machine and the closer it gets, the closer it gets. So in one week's time, I expect you to be able to to build an API that can that can call specific backends and do some validation. That the closer you are to the to the time, the more specific your expectation can be, I think. And that's because you're able to better measure what's coming up, how how well the person's picking up the skills. And also sometimes some people just aren't interested in the specific thing that you've started teaching them. So, you know, not everybody's interested in security, for example. Not everyone's interested in DevOps. Not everybody's interested in in um, project managing and agile team or integration. Yeah, exactly. So, um, yeah, it's important that whatever you're teaching is something that the person wants to learn. And <clears throat> it's worth not assuming what that what those interests will be because uh, it might not map up to what you personally want to learn how do you assess someone's knowledge how do you say whether oh my my mentee knows docker now or my mentee knows linux now because i feel at the the, at the, at the very end the very end goal is going to be right so i'm I'm really happy that we've that we've 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 trained someone up. He's going to be a new new member of our team. What now? Do we do we just assign them some work? Is the proofs in the pudding? We'll 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 just put them onto a project and see if they sink or swim. I think 
it's a mixture of things. So the first one I would do is put together a presentation on subject X and tell me Mm -hmm. about it. Write an article on subject Y. Explain what you just did and the important parts. Whatever Whatever you want to say about it, get it down. Whatever you want it to be focused on, write it down. I think doing that, you get an understanding of of what they comfortably know because that's what they'll put into the article or the or the presentation and you can probe by asking questions as you go along so oh, i read this uh, so what did you mean by what do you mean by this what do you mean by that uh, could oh could you elaborate a little bit more on on this specific detail or, or okay that's not quite right what you said there so that actually works like this and that helps you sort of expand and obviously you can you can do that to whatever depth on a specific learning skill you like so i could ask you present to me what a car is right the way down to tell me how spark plugs work yeah exactly yeah i think cascading knowledge um transfer is good but also what you say the proof is in the pudding eventually you've just got to let them go at it and i think go at it in a safe environment where you can just double check what they're doing and you can nicely correct anything that isn't quite right praise the stuff that's 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 done well i what's a badge um yeah i was thinking sort of how do you assess someone's knowledge and i'm thinking well outside outside of mentoring how would you assess whether someone knows something or not i mean you probably have some you might have some sort of technical interview or q a or you might look at yeah, you might look at certifications or, or badges for those in the badge ecosystem. I don't think either of those are kind of perfect solutions. Um, I think that you only truly know whether someone's capable of doing something is sink or swim. Go and go and go and work on a project and see how it goes. I think they are good, measurable, referenceable points in time. So I, I, they, they they kind of like get your foot in the door. Um, I don't want to say they're worthless because they're not, um, but I want to say that um, they're like a good thing to aim for. The same way you said, I'd like to think that in six months' time, I can uh, my my mentee can do X, Y, and Z. I'd like to think that in a year's time, my uh, this person's got um, certification X, or in two months time they've got certification intro to x or something like that there's there's the debate around cvs and what's more important experience or certification i think both of those have their merits so if you've got a peer-reviewed professions certification process um or there's an exam at the end you've demonstrated that you know the thing that you've you've discussed so then it comes into what's the quality of that test but at the same time experience if if you're looking at somebody's cv are they've spent 12 years at this at this one place doing this one thing that doesn't really tell you a lot about it until you actually Mm. talk to the person engage how much they've learned and know you they you know you could have worked in the same place doing the exact same thing for the last 12 years you 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 know you've, you've pushed certificates into a system and that's your job well we need a certificate pusher at big bank and we're willing to pay you the big money yeah but that doesn't necessarily mean you know how to upgrade where the certificates are going to it doesn't mean you necessarily know 
um, how to, you know, different security, other security elements. Uh, the experience in itself doesn't prove it and a certification in itself doesn't on its own prove it because you could game the certification or or whatever. I think when it comes to teaching and understanding how well somebody's learned, the proof is the proof is in the pudding and it's from having a conversation with that person to determine how much they have learned. It's a comp it's a combination. So what would you what would be your big takeaway? What would what would be your if you had three things to, to offer to somebody else when they're teaching or mentoring what to take away from this session i think lots of the stuff that we've discussed is good but i would i really think the key is to is about setting tasks and exercises which um forces people to go away and learn and gently expand their knowledge and slowly push them to the edges of what they know so they have to research things themselves i think that's the i think that's one of the key things that you need to be doing kind of constantly setting someone an achievable challenge that they can that they can strive for and that forces them to learn new things how about yourself i'd agree with that and i'd say get playback on what they've learned so that you mm. so that you can assess how much they've learned so that you know whether you've gone deep enough into a specific topic and at the end of the day really when a mentee is going out into the world it's it's sort of on your back if if that person doesn't do very well it's all your fault it's not all your yeah. fault, but you know, yeah, you know what I mean. I know what you mean. It's about setting tasks and letting people find their own way to reaching that solution because doing, I think doing is the best way. Being able to pick which of your learning styles to achieve that task is much better than a prescriptive, watch this video, go to this conference, do this thing. Okay, so okay. best of luck everybody with your mentoring and your teaching and learning new skills. Lovely, that's all for this week. Thank you for listening. Bye-bye. Goodbye. Bye.